You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. These last few weeks, we've been kind of uh, working our way through a series on handling toxic people. And these last few weeks, we've really been kind of focusing on what many of us would describe the more difficult uh, toxic relationships we will encounter, and those are with our family members. All of us have them. There's not a one of us that are immune from this in this room, and they can be very challenging. They can oftentimes be very draining um, because of that. I've been kind of equipping you with what I'm calling four prayers uh, that I believe if you will really earnestly embrace and really kind of begin to pray these prayers, I believe one of the things you'll do is you'll really begin to position yourself uh, to receive the help you need and the help that God wants you to have in really uh, successfully achieving healthier, stronger relationships, especially with those toxic family members. Uh, It is in and through prayer uh, that God will equip you and he's going to give you the strength, the power, the ability, the perseverance, the love that you're going to need really uh, in order to experience victory. The first prayer that I gave you a couple of weeks ago was the prayer that says, Father, enable, empower me to forgive my family. Second prayer we covered last week was, Father, give me grace. Uh, It's God's grace is all sufficient. It's all we need. So, Father, um, give me grace to know and to accept my limitations. The third prayer I want to give you, and we're going to focus on uh, this week, is, Father, renew my thinking. Okay? If you're ever going to be successful and you make any headway in dealing with a toxic family member, chances are very, very good that you're going to have to have your thinking renewed. Now, the truth is, toxic relationships, they're not hard to spot. I mean, most of us can see toxic people, family members a mile away. You can see toxic relationships pretty much everywhere you look. But it is very difficult to change them. See, to change a toxic relationship involves more than just recognizing it or knowing that it is a toxic relationship, knowing that there's something you need or want to do to fix it, it also involves changing the way you think. Many times to to change the pattern, to change a habit, you've got to change the way you think. And that's certainly what the Bible teaches. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now this pattern, uh, the patterns of this world that Paul's kind of speaking about there in Romans 12, there it, it refers to the old patterns Uh, of sin, of fear, of selfishness, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. They are the patterns, they're the habits of how we used to live and react and respond before we became Christians. And unless we renew or allow God to change our thinking, we will continue to live out of those same patterns and habits even while we're believers. 
Paul is telling us, man, you got to let go of those old patterns, those old ways of thinking, those old ways of responding. And in order for us to do that, it really involves us changing the way we think. So in other words, before I can do something different, before I can do something new, I have to be able to think differently. I have to be able to see something in a new way, to think in a new way, and God will and is able uh, to help us do that. Now, there are two ways that God can renew our minds. The first one is that uh, he does that by giving us uh, his great treasure, his Holy Spirit. We kind of talked about uh, being that uh, container last week. And God's Holy Spirit is put inside of us, in our clay jars, in our human bodies. Uh, and, and so he deposits that great treasure, his Holy Spirit, in us. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says this, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So again, God wants to renew us. He wants to renew our thinking through the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And again, when the Holy Spirit fills you, when it possesses you, one of the ways the Holy Spirit will begin to bring forth and to produce change in your life is through and in your thinking. Now, the second way that God wants to uh, renew our thinking, and that is through the Word of God, the Bible. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 26, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as or even as Christ has loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Now again, Paul is giving you know, counsel there to uh, husbands and wives, but in the midst of that counsel, Paul says something very interesting. Paul says that he, and he's referring to Christ there, he says that he may cleanse it, and the it there that Paul is speaking to, it's the church, it's the body of Christ, it's you and me whom Christ loved and has given himself for us, and he says, with the washing of water by the word. Now the Greek term used there for word in Ephesians chapter 5 is the word rhema. And that word in the Greek, it simply means an utterance or something that is spoken, something that is verbalized. That's the idea behind the, the Greek term rhema. The other Greek term that's very popular uh, for the word word is logos. And that word, uh, the best translation I can find for this is really thought or reasoning. Now, let me kind of just unpack these two terms for you, uh, rhema and logos, because in our English translation of the Bible, they are often translated using the same term, word. 
So you'll find, you know, the, the Greek word rhema and logos, they're translated the very same English word, and that is word, but there's really a huge difference uh, between those two Greek terms, rhema and logos. So logos, and again, the, the best way to really understand this, it, it is the thoughts or the reasonings of God that is inwardly conceived in the mind. All of us in this room, we have thoughts, we have reasonings in our minds, and as a believer, some of those thoughts, some of those reasonings that you have going on inside your head, those come from God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And those thoughts or reasonings in our mind, those thoughts and reasonings are inspired. They are given to us by God. And we would call that thought, that reasoning, we would, we would call that the logos. Now, let me just let me caution some of you who maybe uh, are really into studying uh, your Bible, studying Greek terms. This is, logos is just one of those words that has just eternal meaning. So, so for some of you, you may be thinking, I've never heard logos described this way. What I'm giving you this morning is a perspective. I'm, I'm trying to give you a, a slice of a much, much bigger pie as to what that word means. Okay, so, so don't shut me down. Don't turn me off. Hang with me. I, I think you'll begin to kind of understand as we get into this um, what this word really means. So when it comes to God, okay, who is eternal, means there was never a time that God was not, there's no beginning, there's no end with God. That's what I mean when I say God is eternal. It would be accurate to say that there was never a time when God was without thought or reason. Does that, that make sense? Okay. So if that's true, then it would also be accurate, or I think fair to say, that, um, that logos or, or the inward thought or reasoning that God possesses would be as eternal as the Godhead. Okay, I know that may sound strange uh, to some of you, but again, it's interesting how John begins his gospel in John 1, 1, here's what John said. In the beginning was the word, and there's that Greek term, logos. And the word logos was with God, and the word logos was God. Then in John 1, verse 14, you know, 13 verses later, it says that word, logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, again, that is a reference there uh, to Jesus Christ, who was God, took on human flesh, and lived among us as a human being. So here you have this disciple of Jesus who is writing his gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says that the word logos was with God in the beginning. And the Logos was God, so therefore it would stand to reason that the Logos that is being referred to there must be as eternal as the Godhead. So again, the word, the internal thoughts, the reasonings of, of God are the Logos, and again, they are a part of God's nature, who he is. 
And again, this is just, again, one perspective of this word logos. Because again, if, if the word is God, that, that has eternal meaning. It, it has eternal application. So no one description that I can give you is going to fully capture uh, that word logos. Because it, it, it's an eternal word. Now the Greek term rhema uh, is simply the speaking forth. It is the utterance it is um, the communicating of the logos. Again, God's thoughts, his reasoning in speech or writing. So let me, let me just make this a little bit more practical for you and, and try to show you how this works. In Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Then in verse 3 of Genesis 1, it says, Then God said, Let there be light. So he speaks, Let there be light. And the result of that was, There was light. And then as you continue to read in Genesis chapter 1, throughout the rest of the creation narrative there, you find everything that God created in, in creation, he does it by his speaking. He does it by his word. He does it by the utterance. Of, of his mouth. Now let me ask you this question. Is God just sitting around one day, you know, wherever God was at that time, and all of a sudden God just kind of has this idea, this thought pop into his mind to create a heaven and an earth? No. The creation of the heavens and the earth has always been an inward thought of God from all eternity. Amen. It's eternally been on the heart, on the mind of God to create the heavens and the earth. It only came into being when the inward thought of God, that logos, was spoken by God, and in the speaking of that, let there be light, it says that's the rhema. And it, and it says when he spoke, that which was inward now manifests outwardly, and there was light. Does that make sense? Awesome. Good. Genesis chapter 1, the creation of the heavens and the earth was the result when the Logos, again, the internal thought reasonings of God, was spoken, uttered by God, the rhema, that all things came into being. Now, do, you, do you understand that? If you, if you get that, this next thought's going to blow your mind, okay? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, here's what Paul says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places or heavenly realms in Christ. Just as he chose us in him, now get this, before the foundation of the world. He's, he's referring back to a time even before Genesis 1.1. Before the foundations of the world, before he ever created the heavens and the earth, it says he chose us in Christ that we would be holy and blameless before him. Let me just ask you a similar question. 
Is God just sitting around one day wherever God would have been around in those days before the beginning? And does God just all of a sudden have this idea pop into his mind to create you? And by you, I mean specifically you. Jim, Mary, Jason, I mean, no. This may be hard to believe, but it's true. You have always been an internal thought of God's from eternity. You, and I'm speaking specifically you, have eternally been on the heart and the mind of God before the heavens and the earth were ever created. You simply came in, you simply became a human being when the inward thought of God, that logos, was spoken by God when it became rhema that you took on flesh and you came into being. But prior to your conception, you have eternally been on the heart and the mind of God. You stop and think about that. If that's true, that gives you immense value, worth, and significance to God. See, here's what I believe. If God chose you, he knows you, right? God's not going to choose something he doesn't know. So if he chose you, he knows you. Your body is simply a temporary container of you. Okay, you're the clay pot. The real you is your spirit, your soul. Your body, your flesh is simply containing the real you. But you are eternal. Your spirit, your soul, it is eternal. And one day you are going to receive an eternal body to contain that eternal you. But that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. See, Isaiah was really on target when he said in chapter 55, verse 8, and he's, and he's speaking here that this is God speaking uh, to Isaiah and God says to him for my thoughts are not your thoughts and again he's talking about his logos because that's what logos is it's thought and he's saying to Isaiah my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways declares the Lord for as high as the heavens are than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts my word my logos are higher than your thoughts. Let me give you an example of these uh, two words again, rhema and logos, working together in the life of Jesus because this is exactly how God wants this to operate in our lives as well. In Matthew chapter 4, you have the account of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness by the devil. And in each one of these three temptations, um, Jesus faced or was faced, um, and he brings forth a response uh, that, that, that God wants you and I to have um, as well. In the first temptation, Jesus had nothing to eat for 40 days. Okay, he's hungry, and the Bible says at the end of those 40 days, um, he's hungry, and then the devil comes and begins to tempt him to change some stones into bread. Now, interestingly, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus receives a thought. 
He doesn't receive the whole counsel of God. God doesn't flood Jesus' thoughts with a million different responses, and Jesus picks one. There is a thought that comes to Jesus, and that thought comes to him through the Holy Spirit that is dwelling in him, because we know at that point the Holy Spirit had already descended upon him in the form of a dove, so we know he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and in that there comes a thought. And the thought he receives is something that was written in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And Jesus takes that thought of God, that logos, and he makes it rhema by speaking it out. And he says, it is written, and he's quoting here, Deuteronomy 8, 3, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Speak everything you speak begins as an inward thought. What we're going to get into in a few moments here is where is that thought coming from? Jesus has a thought in that moment as he's faced with this temptation and that thought comes to him from the Holy Spirit inside of him and he takes that logos of God's word, he, he takes that thought that comes from God through the Holy Spirit and he makes it the rhema by outwardly expressing his inward thought. Again, whenever you outwardly express something, it always starts. It's Genesis. It, it, it is a thought, an inward thought. And so Jesus does the same exact thing in Temptations 2 and 3. He takes the written word of God, that logos, and he makes it rhema by speaking out those words that the Holy Spirit had given him. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, Paul says that we're to take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and he says, which is the rhema of God. The sword of the Spirit, it's not the logos of God. But rather, it is the sword of the Spirit, and that sword of the Spirit is the rhema of God. It's the speaking forth of what God has internally revealed inside of you. So like Jesus, you know, when the enemy comes, you don't just hit him over the head with your Bible. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't call on his heavenly father, just send down, you know, like a, 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 a whole realm of doctrine or theology when the devil gave him trouble. Jesus received one thought in that moment from the Holy Spirit. And that thought was from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, which he would have memorized as, as a good Jewish boy growing up. And he acts on that thought from God, he speaks it out, and Paul would say that became the sword of the Spirit, giving Jesus victory over the enemy. And that same process for you and I, where we take the logos, that thought, that inspiration, that revelation from God, and, and we just speak that out. We, we, we say what it is that we're inwardly thinking, making it rhema 
And just like Jesus, we will get the victory every time over our enemy. And here's the other great thing. It will renew your thinking. It will change. It will begin to change the way you think. So one of the ways that you renew your thinking is by receiving through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within you or through God's word, God's thoughts, his reasoning, his logos, and then expressing that thought outwardly. Because again, whatever thoughts God is revealing inwardly, eventually God is going to have you speak that or express that outwardly. So when God is transforming or he's renewing your thinking, it's always going to reveal itself in how you speak. To be transformed, to be changed by the renewing of your mind involves receiving the logos, the thought of God, the inspiration of God, allowing that thought, inspiration of God to replace worldly or corrupted or sinful thoughts within us and then we choose to act upon that logos word, we speak it out. And again, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, everybody can do this because here's the beauty of this. Paul says, every one of us have the mind of Christ. Amen. Let me just give you an example of what I'm talking about. And again, I've used this in the past, so if you've heard or seen this, I just beg your indulgence here for those that haven't. And I'm going to ask you just to do something that may kind of sound silly and ridiculous, but humor me, just go along with this, because I think the point I want to make with this is very, very crucial. I'm going to ask each of you to kind of begin counting uh, in your mind from 1 to 25. Not out loud, not so everybody can hear you, just in your mind, in your thinking. I just want you to begin to count from 1 to 25. Um, when I say now, I'm going to ask all of you to begin reading uh, with me the Bible verse that's up on the screen. Are you with me? Good. Okay. A few of you are. I see head shaking. Good. So I'm just going to ask you right now, just go ahead internally in your mind, just begin to count from 1 to 25. Now, dust, or now. For God so loved, read this with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What happened to the counting in your mind? It stopped. Here is a very important spiritual insight and application. Your mind always has to stop to listen to what your mouth is saying. Your mind always has to cease to listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. Some of you have been in toxic family relationships for so long that all you hear in your mind are those toxic tape recordings. You'll never amount to anything. You're no good. You're just like so-and-so. You'll never change. You're an embarrassment to the family. This is all your fault. Blah, blah, blah. The only way you will be able to stop those thoughts from advancing is to allow the Holy Spirit to change, to renew, to transform your thinking so that it can change the way you're speaking. 
Again, it's taking the logos. It's taking that word, that thought from God and making it rhema by speaking that out. Not all the other junk that's going on, all the other traffic that's going on in your mind. It's discerning which of those thoughts are from God. And that's what I'm going to speak out on. That's what I'm going to act out on. Taking the logos, making it the rhema, it will transform and renew your mind and begin to change the way you interact in those toxic relationships. I'm out of time. Um, So what I'm going to do is, uh, just because this is really important, next week I want to kind of just pick up on, there are really three um, places um, that thoughts come from. And and you know this. This is just you know, bears it out in our personal experience. All thoughts come from two places, from within and from without, okay? So the thoughts you're currently processing are either coming from what I am saying or from the thoughts that you're having inside your head. And the thoughts that you have going on, that traffic you have going on, the thoughts you have going on in your mind are really coming from one of three sources. It's coming from yourself, It's coming from the Holy Spirit, which is the kingdom of God, or it's coming from another kingdom, okay? And we're going to kind of get into talking um, about that um, next week, amen? Let's go ahead and just begin to just stand and invite the worship team to come forward this morning. Father, again, we just thank you that, God, you have a desire, you have a plan You have a purpose for the renewing, the transforming, the changing, the healing of our thinking. So Father, this morning we just invite you because we're all at different places here this morning. And God, you see our hearts, you see the challenges that we face. Those challenges we face within ourselves, those challenges we face with family members, with coworkers, with neighbors. God, you see all of that. And the wonderful thing is, is God, you've got a plan to transform and to change all of that. And God, it really involves us just coming into cooperation. God, walking in obedience to what it is that you're wanting to do within us and and within our relationships. So God, this morning is again, we've just been focusing on and really talking about that that renewing of our minds, that, that changing of the way that we think, thereby changing the way that we speak. God, we just, again, we pray for more revelation. We pray for more insight, more understanding, God, into what this really looks like, how we can really begin to walk this out, and how this might really change and impact our relationships. God, for those maybe here this morning that this is uh, new information, again, God, I pray, Lord, you'll give them grace, grace to understand, grace to walk this out. Father, for those of us that maybe have heard this before and maybe have quit doing that or we've walked away from that, God, again, may this just be an invitation to engage you once again in this area of our lives. And Father, again, thanking you 
that we see how this worked in the life of Jesus. And God, it really is your heart. It is your desire to see this work and operate the same way in our lives and in our relationships. So God, again, just give us that abundant, that amazing grace to just walk this out. And God, none of us does this perfectly. But God, that we would be diligent, that we would be faithful in pursuing you and allowing this to really work in our hearts, our lives, and our relationships. And Father, we just give you all the glory. We give you all of the thanks for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.